Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 290. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy that you are here to join us today. I am also thrilled to introduce our guest, Melanie DeRose. Melanie is a founder and chief gold digger at Impact Bars, and she is a recovering lawyer turned entrepreneur, which I I love how you put that, Melanie, because I totally understand. I mean, I'm not a recovering attorney, but I feel like I'm recovering corporate. I would love if you would jump in, Melanie, and Tell the listeners more about what you do, because I haven't even started to explain, but I know you're going to be able to tell it so much better than I. So would you mind taking them along the ride of your journey? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on today, Kim. I'm truly humbled to be here. Uh, And let me clarify, it's Gold Digger, G-O-A-L. I feel like I always need to make that clarification if you're not seeing the name on a business card um, rather than G-O-L-D. But anyhow, uh, yes, I am. I like to describe myself as a recovering attorney. Um, I practiced law doing corporate and securities at a a big international law firm for several years and focused on things like taking companies public and mergers and acquisitions and got a lot of great experience. Um, However, there were a few things really missing from that job. Um, The first thing for me is I wasn't truly passionate about it. And I, I very much underestimated that the importance of that. At the time, I just thought, you know, I sort of had groomed myself to be a lawyer forever. I grew up in a family with lawyers, and I thought that's what I was destined to do. And when I finally got there, after law school and everything else, I thought, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. But, you know, there was there was definitely something that was missing. But I looked at a job as just something to, you know, give me the means to do the things I love to do, which was travel and spend time with my family and, you know, whatnot. But I I never really understood what it was like to be passionate about a job because I hadn't found my calling, so to speak. And so after, um, and, and by the way, you know, interrupt me whenever if you have any questions, but by the way, I, um, you know, I was at that job, liking it, loving uh, the kind of intellectual challenge of it, but missing uh, sort of the passion. And also I had this calling to kind of want to give back Um, and and I didn't really know exactly what that looked like, but when you're working in a big law firm, it's, it's very difficult to find time in that schedule to do pro bono work or to work with nonprofits. There's just not a lot of time because it's all gauged around how you bill. So everything that is outside of that is on top of, you know, what may be an 80 or hundred hour week already. And so I had those two things going for me. And then a third element that kind of tipped me over the edge to jump into becoming an entrepreneur was I had my first daughter at the time. She's now eight. And, um, and after having her, you know, I remember thinking like, God, I still look pregnant when I, when I left the hospital, I was really depressed about that. And I had just thought I'd bounce right, you know, would bounce right back. And it took several months and I was trying to find a fitness solution for women and I could not find anything. I was ended up doing P90X or whatever videos I could find that seemed to be really male oriented. And at that point discovered this sort of void in the marketplace for women like me, like new moms who were trying to find something to not, I did not feel comfortable at the gym. 
And so we decided to launch a health and fitness company uh, for moms. At that moment, we were like, we're going to do videos that are targeted for moms. I was not in the videos. We knew a trainer. And at the time uh, we were in Austin, Texas, we knew a trainer who was great. She trained moms and approached her. So we developed a company that was based on an in-home fitness DVD program for moms. It was called FayFit. It was, you know, FE is the periodic symbol for iron. So we did, you know, iron's the core of the earth and moms are the core of the family. And I love that. Started- I, I just had to ask, did that, was that just like a divine idea? How did it hit you to name it that? Do you remember? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember we were, we were working on a name and we wanted to really emphasize that this was going to be for women and specifically for moms. And at the time I was feeling like, God, like nothing was working. I was feeling all the time, sort of like a bad lawyer. I was feeling like a bad mom. I was feeling like a bad spouse because there was, I was not giving any time to myself. And really realized at that time in my life, the importance of sort of taking this concept of me time and not feeling guilty about it. And for me, that meant physical activity. You know, after I had my child, I went back to work and it's, it was stressful and it was difficult to, you know, maintain any sort of work-life balance. And so you're already working many hours a week and then you throw a kid into the mix and you're trying to also be a good, you know, spouse and everything else. And I realized I was not taking a lot of time for myself. And so I think that concept of, you know, making sure you're encouraging women to take that time, super important. And also it's not about being skinny or it wasn't about losing ton of, a ton of weight. It was about being sort of the best version of myself that I could be. And to me, whatever that looks like for you, for me, it looked like I needed to work out approximately 30 minutes a day because that's about what I could fit in. Um, to keep my head on straight and not go crazy. That's sort of my stress release. And so we thought, you know, if you have this, this concept of moms being the core of the family, and when mom's happy, a lot of times the rest of the family is happy. And so it just seemed like a natural um, name for the company. I have to agree with that. When mom's happy, the rest of the family's happy. I mean, I'm not saying that my husband never gets upset because he does, but the kids can look at my face and know should I be quiet now? <laughs> Should I go right. to my room before mom says anything? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the opposite is what's true. It's when mom's unhappy, the, the family falls apart yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But maybe it's just because I'm home a lot more. I mean, as a mompreneur, I'm the one who is here. And so I get to experience. And I, and I say that Genuinely, I get to experience. It's not that I have to experience, but I get to experience more of the misbehavior than my husband does. Yeah. Yep. But I love that. We are the core of our families, even if we can't cook, which is my case. <laughs> I'm still the core. <laughs> you know what? I'm not a great cook either. It's a good thing my yeah. husband Can is. you burn mac and cheese out of a box too? I Well, I don't know that I have done that one, but I'm sure I've done something comparable like burned french uh-huh. fries in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely well, happens, just, especially oh, yeah. in the beginning. Well, I mean, I'm 15 years into being a mom, and, and thankfully, my 15 year old has even learned to cook now. So there are days when he knows that I'm the one that's at home at dinner time. Mom, what are we having for dinner, and how do I cook it? <laughs> yeah, that's because awesome. that's how he knows that he's going to get fed. I do want to go back though. <laughs> like, I think it's really funny how you said 
I mean, funny and sad all at the same time that you left the hospital and you were disappointed that, you know, your belly was still there. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I mean, I had my oldest when I was pretty young, but I thought that my belly would just be gone. I mean, poof, the baby's out. So, you know, it's going to elastic band right back to where it was. Well, it didn't happen on that one. And it sure as heck didn't happen on any of the subsequent ones, especially the twins. So I feel that. Nobody prepared me for that. I felt like that those those words of wisdom would have been really helpful, you know, because you're just at the end of your pregnancy and my first child was almost 10 pounds. So I, I mean, I was feeling very large. And then whenever I left the hospital, I had, you know, packed up all my clothes. And I remember opening the box like and being in tears because I was just like, oh my God, I still look pregnant. Like if I went out, I think someone would be like, when are you due? <laughs> and so that would have been some advice that would have been helpful. But, you know, then you accept it. And I mean, you know, you can obviously different people take weight off at varying times. And for me, um, nursing actually did help quite a bit. I was recovering from a C-section, so I couldn't dive right back into working out, which was a struggle for me. You know, I had to wait quite a few weeks to do that. Um, But you kind of finally get to the point where you're like, okay, and this is just what it's like to be a mom. And this is what I'm going to look like. And I'm going to be comfortable with that until I can get in a place where I can, you know, take the time to focus on myself. Absolutely. And I just want to say to any of the lady listeners who are listening and pregnant with their first, there is a hidden book that should really be part of what to expect when you're expecting of all the stuff that you really should know, but they just didn't put in there. Would you have to agree, Melanie? I mean, there's just... Yes, I would. Did you read the, The Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy? That's the closest I could find. I did not because I learned all the super embarrassing stuff on my own with number one. And I remember calling... My mom wouldn't have told me any of it anyway, but my ex-mother-in-law, because I was married to my first at that time, I remember calling her on lunch break one day and I was like, why didn't you tell me that dot, 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 just imagine one of the most embarrassingly, just embarrassing things that could happen during pregnancy. And she's like, well, that never happened to me, but well, where's the other people that it did happen to? And they just didn't put it in this book because I've been reading it cover to cover and nothing was ever... Okay, listeners, I'm so sorry. This is TMI. I was at work, pregnant, in a lunch and learn, and my boobs started leaking. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm like, what the heck? This isn't anywhere in this book. No, you're right. That that isn't in there. Yeah. I don't think after. I mean, you get some preparation for leaking after, but not really. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. For me, it was like during pregnancy every single pregnancy. And I'm like, and then after my, one of my sisters got pregnant, I won't name her, but I was like, and she's like, didn't this happen to you? And I was like, yep. I was like, you got to use protection now. (laughs) I think sometimes people don't tell you that because they think maybe you won't have a baby. I don't know. I'd cornered my mom a couple of times and she was like, even if I had told you that you would have never gotten pregnant. And I'm like, that's really not an answer that I'm comfortable with. Right. 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 There's a lot. Yeah. So anyway, listeners, if you're questioning anything that's going on, just head over to thekimsutton.com and hit the contact tab because I don't want you to be like, no, I am not a doctor, but don't hesitate to reach out because it means that you're listening. Okay. Sorry. I interrupted your, your journey. 
no, 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 no problem. Um, I was trying to just explain that was sort of the what leapt me into becoming an entrepreneur. So we started this company. I was still, you know, practicing law. We were kind of doing this on the side. Um, and it, it was really fun. I mean, I, I, what I found was, I, I, number one, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed marketing. I even enjoyed sitting in the editing bay and working on the videos, which I spent countless hours doing that. Um, but what I really enjoyed is, you know, having women come up and say, hey, I, I felt like I've identified the same problem. I'm so glad you're developing something that will work for me. And when we finally launched, um, we had a great uh, we still, it still is actually available. It's still, you know, it's primarily an online Amazon company, but we had all these customers calling saying, you know, this has really changed my life and this has been an amazing thing for me. And thanks for making something that was just for me. And so that, um, gosh, the gratitude you get when you're, when you get a call like that was unlike anything I had ever experienced, just the energy I felt talking to those customers um, even the ones who may have called and said, Hey, I have a question about X, Y, and Z. And so at that moment I realized, okay, this is what I need to be doing. I've, I'm no longer wanting to do law. It, was, it suited me when it, when I had it, but it's time to move on. So I left my legal career. My husband was still practicing law. Um, he's also a recovering attorney and we worked on that company for a while and ended up relocating to Denver, Colorado, thinking that Denver's a very fit market like Austin. So we would continue this sort of fitness journey, which we did. And what we found was we had amazing customers who were really loyal. And so they kept saying, when's the next video set coming out? And it, it takes a very long time to make videos. It's a long process. It's like filming a movie. And so we were trying to find a, you know, kind of some sort of continuity product. And our customers were very much interested in nutrition. So we launched a nutrition plan with a company based in Austin, Texas. And it was sort of a, you know, low carb paleo-esque plan. And then the follow-up to that was our customers saying, um, I, you know, I'd really like to have a snack that I can eat on this plan. I have a hard time finding snacks. You know, I've got kids and I'm ended up, I eat goldfish and whatever they've got in the pantry. And I was in that same boat as well. And I promise I'm, I'm getting somewhere, but this is, this is sort of how our, our company was launched. Um, and one day I was walking down the grocery store in the protein bar aisle and I was like, God, there's just really nothing here for women. I had the same feeling that I had. Um, way back when, when I was in my living room doing workouts that were geared towards men. And all of the protein bars seemed to be either unisex or, you know, if I was a bodybuilder and doing CrossFit, I think I could have figured out what I wanted. But if I was a woman who was just wanting a better for you snack that was high in protein, that had quality ingredients, I wasn't really able to find anything on the shelf. So in that moment, we said, okay, we're going to develop a protein and energy bar for women. I mean, why not, right? Like natural transfer from law to fitness company to why not incorporate food? Cause that's an easy thing to do. Right. <laughs> so we, we, we ended up launching this version one, so to speak of, of our bar. And we did it really just to kind of keep our customers engaged as we were thinking about doing new videos and developing new videos. And we put them up in some Pilates studios in the West coast and also put them on Amazon and they started doing really well. And one day we got a call from a major retailer that was very interested and said, you know, there's not, um, there's not really anybody else in the marketplace doing this, especially targeting women. So we'd like to roll you out in like 2000 stores. And so in that moment, um, and, oh, I just got goosebumps. And I, yes. Well, it was an awesome call. Right. And I also forgot to mention in, in that, you know, my husband has subsequently left his law job and he's um, full-time in this, you know, working with me through all of these endeavors as well. So 
we're sitting in Denver and we were like high-fiving in the office, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And at that moment, we realized, okay, we should pivot and really start looking at what the food industry is like. We should talk to somebody who's worked in the food industry because we didn't have any background in that. And we should start looking at what, you know, if it makes sense to focus more on these bars. So we did. We got hooked up with the kind of what I like to describe as a guru in the food industry who has lots of experience um, working with small and very large natural food brands. If you, you know, anytime you're in the grocery store and you go to the natural food aisle, he's probably touched most of the brands there. So we talked to him and um, long story short, hit it off with him, but decided in that moment, we really needed to kind of start over with a company that was just focused on the food side rather than combining with the fitness. It just didn't make sense to have them together. So we launched um, our company Impact and it's E-M-P-A-C-T and the E-M stands for Empowering Women and Girls and the PACT is helping them have an impact on their families and communities. And I can get into the mission side of this as well, because it's a huge component that I have left out. But I kind of wanted to give you the history of how this company developed. And so that's how we started uh, the Protein and Energy Bar Company. It really is the way I describe it is it's a, a company about empowering women. And it's a you know also a natural snack food company for women. We happen to make amazing you know protein and energy bars that are made for women. But Really, the the passion on my side is this concept of empowering women and the, the mission work that we, the mission based work that we do. I definitely want to hear about your mission based work, but I have a question before we go there. I know you're a mom of two, about to be three, and I'm a mom of five. How do you keep your kids from eating the bars? I don't. And in fact, our two kids, we have an eight year old and a five year old, are our chief taste testers. Because if you want honest feedback about a flavor or the way something tastes, you just ask a five-year-old because they are not going to lie. So when we were developing the bars, um, which are totally appropriate for kids, they were always the last sign-off. You know, we'd give them something and (laughs) my five-year-old would be like, mom, this is disgusting. And then we'd work on it for a while and then we'd work on it for a while because it takes a while to kind of, you know, get your recipe where you want it. And or we tried different flavors, and it wasn't until both kids were like, "We love all three flavors" because we launched with three that we decided to roll them out. So they eat them all the time, and I am so happy about that because they're healthy and they're good for you. And so the fact that I've got my kids asking number one for the product that we made, which is cool, but also they would rather have a, you know this healthy snack that has good protein in it than a you know some other kind of candy bar. I feel like that's a huge win. That is definitely a huge win. I guess I'm sort of joking because there has never been a food in my house that was bought for me that was actually mine. I mean, I've right. I've bought food for myself that when I went to eat it, it had already disappeared. Like, where is it? I mean, one Thanksgiving, no joke, I bought myself a dessert because the whole rest of the family wanted something else and somebody ate it while I was taking a nap. That's awful. I feel like that's every mom's experience though, right? I yeah. mean, it just it just happens to us. It's so unfair. I will not deny though that my this is not a healthy indulgence at all, but what I'm really stressed and it's not at all, again, not at all healthy. Jose Cuervo, pre-mixed margarita mix. That is my go-to. I am not an alcoholic people, but that is my go-to. <laughs> 
That is the one thing that nobody touches besides me, including my husband. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good that my kids are touching your kids. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's that's good. <laughs> that's a good mom moment for you. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to find. Well, you you already said it best, though. I mean, this is a health, healthy snack that the kids could be eating too. So maybe I shouldn't be worried about it. Maybe I just need more healthy snacks because, yeah, the things that they've been eating, full disclosure, haven't been the healthy stuff. Well, a lot of kids don't eat healthy stuff. I mean, even with our kids, it's a struggle. They'd sit around and eat candy all day if I'd let them. I mean, that's just what they want to eat. But, you know, they know they're not going to win that battle. So they often will say, hey, can we have an impact bar? And I always get excited. I'm like, yes, you want an impact bar? That's great. You you know, you're not asking me for something like goldfish. So it, it's kind of a big win in that regard. But you know, that it also talks to the or speaks to the quality of our products. I mean, I wanted something we could give our girls, I wanted something I could recommend to my girlfriends. And you know, you you didn't look at the ingredient label, and, and it was a science project. So it's very important for us to have high quality ingredients. And I'm proud of everything that's in our bars, and there's nothing artificial. And so that makes it it makes it easier. It certainly makes it um, more challenging. I, I know why now that I'm into this industry, so many people do put that stuff in, in their products because it's cheaper and it will make it last longer. Uh, but for me, you know, I wanted to to create something really healthy and high quality. What did the process look like um, time-wise? Because I know there's got to be listeners who are thinking about doing something similar, you know, not the same, but similar. But from first initial thought to when your first batch went out, how long did that take? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it took us about, um, about a little under a year. Like we were working on formulas, we were working on marketing, packaging, all of that stuff needed to be developed and really reined in. And for us, because we were we were essentially uh, eliminating part of the customer base, it we we felt it was a bit of a risk. So we actually went out and approached some retailers and said, "Hey." Um, we're thinking about developing this bar. We got we luck, luckily got some great meetings and said, would you take it? Because we're going to, you know, market exclusively for women. And so we don't want to go through all this time and effort. If you're going to say, no, we're not going to take you because you're eliminating men. But as it turns out, uh, we had so much, we had such, you know, great reception that I think if we had tried to create a bar that would have been from everybody, um, I, well, in fact, I know this because because some grocery stores have told us they would have just told us to leave. They were like, it's too saturated of a, of a category. It, you're actually trying to find a way to bring a specific consumer to this category or this aisle. Um, and you know what was a great benefit for us is that I think the stats are something like 86% of grocery shoppers are women anyway. And we're trying to find a way to get them to an aisle that doesn't necessarily speak to them. There's just not a lot of products that are, uh, there's really not, from our perspective, any products that have exclusively said we're only going after women. And so it took, it took some time, to back to your question, to get everything nailed down. We wanted to be sure we were using great ingredients. Um, we wanted to be sure we put the right team in place. So for us, the team was huge. You know, we have a great graphic designer who sort of nailed it out of the park with our marketing, our signature, sort of these gold polka dots. And my goal is for our audience and our customers to know that if you see gold polka dots and you know the impact brand that you know you're getting a really high quality ingredient, I want it to be obvious that our customers will still read labels, but I want them to know, you know, they don't have to question. 
So it took some time to also find a manufacturer. That's a tough spot for a new food company to be in. Uh, most manufacturers require ridiculously high volumes. So, you know, the, the typical trajectory for a new food company is you're making products like in a commissory kitchen kind of situation or with a, you know, very small manufacturer. And then at some point when you scale up, you have to find another one and switch over and it can be a very difficult process and cause some delay or some lag time. We had the great fortune of finding um, a very large manufacturer who would, who typically required huge volumes and a lot of revenue before they'd even talk to you. But we sat down with them and said, this is what we're doing. And let, let us tell you about the mission side of our company. You know, we are unique in that we're mission-based. We're all about empowering women and we want to work with women-based organizations and nonprofits that do great work. And we hit it off with them and they said, you know what, we're, we'd like to launch you. So typically we'd wait a few years until you got established, but we're going to launch you. And they worked with us on the minimums and worked with us on the requirements. And so it took about a year to a little under a year to get that all um, kind of set in stone and ready to launch. And then we launched on shelves last October and sorry, October, 2016, um, in a large grocery store chain in Texas. Um, and that's sort of how we, we rolled it out. I'm sorry, I'm babbling now. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop because I, you may have other questions. There's no such thing as babbling <laughs> on positive productivity. <laughs> well, if there is, then I do it all the time. So don't even worry about it. No, I love that. I was, I was very curious about, you know, how you had it produced and packaging and all that. So thank you so much for diving so deep into that. I know that my aunt had created her own special recipe of herbed pretzels. That's the best way that I can really describe it, but they are so delicious. And she was, she started selling them to some smaller grocery chains in Western New York. And one of the restrictions was that she had to be using a commercial kitchen. So, which I totally understand. I mean, you, you have to be really careful if you're cooking out of your own home and intending to sell. That's right. And, you know, you may, you probably don't want that liability anyway. You'd rather oh, work no. with somebody who, you know, you know, follows the standards, knows all the rules and regulations and because uh, a lot of things can happen. And, you know, when you're sourcing ingredients from other folks, some things are out of your control. If, if you source an ingredient that, you know, should have passed all these standards and it's problematic, then suddenly you're stuck in this hard place of, oh my God, what, you know, what, what have I got to do? So we've been really fortunate. Our manufacturer has very, very high safety ratings. Um, they're what's called an SQF level two, which just is a fancy way of saying it's really, um, I think one of the highest safety ratings. So all of our ingredient suppliers have to go through a very rigorous QA process, which is very time consuming, but worth it in the end. I mean, we'd rather be sure that we're sourcing um, really clean ingredients that are high quality, but you've got to think through all that stuff. And I think when you're, when you're a small business owner, especially in food, and you've just been making something that starts getting traction and people want to start buying it, and then you're selling it to local shops. It's hard to think big picture on some of those items. And sometimes you have to back up and go, okay, wait a minute, this is bigger than me and what I'm able to make. Cause I've made plenty of protein bars in my kitchen at this point. Uh, not not the ones that were for sale. Just as we were trying to develop flavors, my husband and I were, you know, kind of messing around with ingredients and formulations. Um, and it, it's an interesting jump when you get to that level. Yeah, I can imagine. So where are you 
being stocked now? Is it more than Texas? Yes. So um, we have kind of two branches to our company, the, the retail, so to speak, um, side, which focuses on large grocery store chains and, and also independents and all sorts of retail establishments. And then we have online. So for the retail, we are primarily sold in Texas and Colorado, um, though our strategic plan for this year was to move west. And so we're picking up all sorts of chains in, um, I mean, Oregon and now in California, we're, we've been moving west and expanding that way. And then we just launched actually two new flavors this month that, that um, have launched in the East Coast a little bit earlier than we were thinking, but we got some traction in the East Coast. So we've started um, launching in some independence there as well. It's still sporadic. So, I mean, we're still a really new company. So for your listeners, for example, the, the best place to find us is online. We're at impactbars.com and you can find us on Amazon because we're not obviously in every national store. That's you know, one day we'll get there one day. But right now, just for, because you know, I know you've got listeners all over the place, we may or may not be in, in that area. Um, but the goal is to kind of make a big splash in Texas and Colorado West and then um, start saturating East Coast. I love where you're not or I love how you're not trying to go too big, too fast. And you're being strategic about that, because I think that is a common challenge and struggle that so many entrepreneurs face is that self-imposed go too big, too fast goal. And then they get discouraged when it doesn't work, but they really didn't have everything set up. I mean, look at entrepreneurs who have been on Oprah, but they were still producing in their garage. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't wind up very good. <laughs> right. Right. Because the other thing that happens is if you grow too big, too fast, you often can't either keep up with, I mean, it's an expensive industry. Manufacturing food is an, is expensive. So you have to give away a lot of free product. You have waste and you have, you know, we've got a shelf life on our product, right? So um, you have to do it strategically, I think, or you can get underwater really fast. Uh, so it's important to kind of own the areas where you launch. And that's been our goal is to really, you know, from the local to a statewide perspective, for example, in Colorado, it's, we're, we're trying to sort of own this area and expand here and really get a name for ourselves. And then, then we can move it out. And it's also to prove out your method, right? You want to test the waters and make sure that you're leading with the right marketing message or that you, you know, your packaging is right. I mean, we've, we've not been in business that long. We just did a total packaging redo because we, what we found was when we were in grocery stores demoing or sampling out product, which I do quite a bit, our customers would come up and say, you know, why, why do you guys not lead with this? The fact that you're doing all this stuff to help women. Um, I, I would buy you just based on that. And we thought, yeah, we probably should do a better job of telling people what we're doing because we're, we're, we're doing some cool stuff with nonprofits. And you don't really know that unless you talk to one of us or you go to our website and do some kind of extra searching to find out what we're doing to give back. So we revamped packaging and made it clear on our packaging what we're doing. And I'm, I think, you know, we're leading with those messages. And if you just roll out nationally or internationally and you kind of throw out a marketing message and hope it works... I mean, if it doesn't, you can kind of find yourself in a lot of trouble, right? So if you test it and you test it on smaller or micro, more micro levels, then you can refine before you really scale. And that's what we've been trying to do. Oh, yeah. It would be like throwing mm -hmm. spaghetti at the wall and trying to see if it sticks. That's which right. I have actually done before. I don't know. I was just feeling goofy one night. 
It does stick, by the way. <laughs> if you've never done it before, it is sort of fun. It's just messy to clean up. Don't use sauce. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I like to ask often if if you could go back and do it again, like don't pursue your your law degree, would you? Or do you believe that where you are now is a result of of becoming a lawyer? You know, I, I it's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. This year, I have been focusing a lot on uh, personal development. Like, I have never really focused on myself and growing myself and working through things like emotional intelligence and trying to meditate and stuff like this. So, if you had asked me that question last year, I probably would have said, "You know what? I think I would have not done law, and I would have jumped into some kind of entrepreneurial business earlier on." Now that I've been sort of working through. Um, the, what I just am lumping together is personal development and, you know, learning experiences and how you deal with challenges and what shapes who you are. I actually think that my trajectory has been perfect. So, you know, the law part of my life has been great. And frankly, if I ever had to fall back on that, it's always there. And it also gave me the ability both financially. And I think with, you know, with some degree of confidence to, launch a business at the stage I was at. <clears throat> I'm somebody who is by nature really risk averse, which doesn't go hand in hand really well as an entrepreneur. You have to take a lot of risks. As a lawyer, you know, I had this safe, um, I don't want to call it cushy, but it was a nice lucrative job. And I was never worried about, I don't want to say never worried, you're never guaranteed that, you know, that your job's always going to be there. But I had money in the bank and a, and a steady paycheck. And so I you know, I didn't really worry about that. And now it's completely opposite. I mean, as a business owner, it's just, I don't want to, and it's not a crapshoot. There's some forecasting that's done, but some months are not going to go the way that you think that they are. Some months are going to go amazing. And then some months are going to not. And it's hard for somebody who's risk adverse to sort of, um, stomach that. And so that was part of the reason why I've decided, you know, I need to do some personal development work. And as I've been working through that, I've realized that my trajectory was just perfect. I mean, I just think the way um, being a lawyer set me up for this career, the time that I jumped off, um, the lessons I learned and the, the financial stability I had to be able to launch a company, it was, would have been something that would be, been difficult had I tried right out of college. So I'm also someone who I don't like to look back at this point in my life. I, I feel like everything has sort of happened for a reason. And I'm, I don't really question things the, the way that they've happened in my life. And I'm grateful every day when I wake up for all that I have, even on the days that have been really tough. And as a business owner, and I know you know this, Kim, you have a lot of those oh, yeah. days that you wake up and you're like, why am I doing, I just need to go back and get a J-O-B. But there, I don't ever question it. And I'm super fortunate um, just to be where I am in my life. So I think it's all been perfect is the kind of the short answer to your question. No, I love it. I mean, my my degree and my pre-entrepreneurial experience was, I was an interior architect. Let me try that again, an interior architect for 10 years. So I can't say that any of that work experience was directly applicable to what I do now, but my ability to relate with clients and to accept criticism and also to communicate effectively and not abrasively has definitely paid off. But I can imagine that the experience that you learned and especially just being able to read through the legal mumbo jumbo 
oh my gosh, I could use those skills so often. I mean, just it is nice to be able to do our, you know, our contracts. Like I'm not going to lie that lawyers are expensive. So now that I'm on like this side, you know, the business side and we have to actually engage lawyers because of course we have like a trademark attorney. That's not the kind of law that I practice. And I'm just looking back and I'm like, man, this is a good thing that I have some of these skills, but you're right. I mean, you grow and you learn from any experience you have, even if you can on the surface, it looks unrelated. Um, I, I, I do think there's a, there's some sort of growing experience you can get out of anything. Absolutely. Now, I, I keep on saying this. I definitely want to talk about your mission, but I do have one more quick question because you just keep on sparking them sure. before we go there. What is the personal development work that you have been doing? Who are your, who are the yes. mentors that you've been learning from? And would you mind sharing more about that journey? Absolutely. Cause it's new for me. I mean, you know how it is as a mom too. you taking time for yourself. It like you feel guilty about it. Number one. And there's just not enough hours in the day to do that. I mean, it's really been something I've had to put a lot of effort in and I'm, I have not mastered that. Melody, I just have to share really fast. Last night I got into bed thinking I was going to journal and then read because I do personal development right before bed. And I'm laying there and my husband asked me, how are you doing? And I meant to say I'm pooped. And I said, I'm poop. Like that's just how drained I was. So I totally get it. He looks at me. He's like, you're poop. Like oh, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, no, I'm pooped. I don't think I can read tonight. And he just started laughing. He's like, you're going to have to do a podcast about that. I'm poop. Seriously. No, I, I think all women can relate to that feeling. I mean, that feeling when you're in bed and you can't even keep your eyes open. But so I, before this year, I had never read what would be maybe called a self-help book. I don't know, however you want to call them. Anything that is focused on personal development. And I hadn't really read a ton of business books and now I try to alternate. So I've been really big on books. The first book that really kind of spurred my interest on all of this is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Have you read that book, Kim? I haven't. And <laughs> listeners, you don't need to worry about writing it all these books down, they will be in the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP290. But Mindset by Carol Dweck. Dweck. Okay. So it's a great book and I won't bore you with the details, but what it started in me was this reality that like I had been limiting myself a lot. I have, I, you know, like a lot of women, I had confidence issues. Um, I think I've since learned some of those stemmed from as a kid, I went, went through a time where there were some girls that were bullying me. And I don't think I ever really recovered from that. I sort of did uh, until I started working on myself this year and developing, you know, or trying to develop certain characteristics and also trying to look inward and go, why am I the way that I am? Why am I risk adverse? You know, why why do I struggle with confidence sometimes and, and, and doubt? And that, what that book really showed me was like, gosh, doubt is such a terrible thing. And it can, um, it can just kill so much in your life. So I started reading all these books. One came after another and I would sort of alternate. I'd read, you know, a mindset type book. And then I'd read a book about running a business like traction or something like that. And I've been trying to do that. And what I was finding is I was so intrigued by these personal development books because I have never in my life put any effort basically into doing this. And, you know, I have great friends who are very spiritual, who meditate, um, who have been trying to encourage me to do stuff like this. And I just was always, my answer was always, I don't have time. I don't have time. I have time to put some fitness in my life, but I don't really have time to meditate. I don't understand it. I can't do it. 
And I, you know, tried a handful of times and yoga. I'm the person in the yoga room who at the end of the yoga session, when you're on the floor and you're like working through those calming moments, I'm sitting there and my mind's going a thousand miles an hour. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like that, this is not worth my time. And it turns out I couldn't be more wrong, by the way, from that opinion. But so part of it was books. And then part of it was journaling. I started a, there's a journal out there called the five minute journal because, you know, time is an issue, especially as a mom. And so in the morning, every morning I wake up and it literally takes less than five minutes. And there's a journal that kind of with some prompts, like, what are you grateful for? Um, what would be a win for today? And, you know, write an affirmation about yourself. You know, I am confident, I am successful, whatever it is. So being able to start each day with um, your thought process in the right place did make a difference for me. And, I, and then the way that journal works is you also end each day that way. And it's, you know, what were your biggest wins from the day and what could have been better? And um, that, just that small little step in changing my perception, because what it was before I was doing that journal was I'd be going to bed at night thinking, There were 75,000 things I did not get done today. And oh my God, this didn't go right. And it would take me an hour to go to sleep. And I'd be waking up in the middle of the night, freaking out about forgetting to send an email to someone or whatever, or maybe forgetting to, you know, make sure my kid's dentist appointment was (laughs) scheduled. You just, you name it. And I think that process was just really getting to me and causing me to have a lot of anxiety. So the gratitude journal, the reading. And then I went recently through a, a um, emotional intelligence leadership course. I have never done anything about that or like that. I didn't even know what emotional tele- intelligence was and had never put any emphasis on l- even understanding that in my life. And that course was huge for me. Um, it basically was like a six month course that was designed to, um, basically tell you what your limiting beliefs are, like what gets in your way, gets in the way of you living life to your fullest and also identify what's great about you and how you can maximize those things. So it was a lot of self-realization about, you know, just different aspects of my personality. I'm, I like to analyze things, you know, I, I overanalyze things. And so how do I get to work on that? Um, I have a very fear-based personality, like fear motivates me, which is not a good thing. And it also gets in my way all the time. So once I sort of started identifying these things, the next step is how do you crush those things and get them out of your way? How do you shift out of, and if you're in a moment, for me, it's always financial, you know, security, that's the issue. So if I'm in a moment of, oh my God, there's not enough money in the bank, how do I shift out of that and go, okay, I'm going to have more of an abundant mindset. We're going to get the money in the bank. And it has resulted in huge changes, I mean, both with me and my business. Uh, so I can't emphasize enough the, um, the importance of doing work like this. I'm, I'm now meditating. I've like, like that, if you would have, I mean, if I would have told myself last year that I'd be meditating this year, I would have laughed at myself. Like I now actually spend time at night uh, meditating. And I see the value in that. I sleep much more soundly. I don't wake up and freak out in the middle of the night. And I think that has a large part to do with what all these things I've been working on in myself this year and not to be too vulnerable about all this stuff, but I think it is important. I think people don't talk about it enough. And, you know, sometimes you're surrounded by all these friends and in family or whoever mentors that you think have, are just like super women, you know, and I'm using women as an example, because those are my mentors who have gone through nothing and who don't have the struggles that you have and who have tons of confidence and don't have any fears. And 
what I think is it's much more, it's so important for women to talk about these things because we all have them and we all have vulnerabilities and we all have moments where we're feeling like the world's kind of crushing down on us. And it's how we deal with those moments. You know, it's important to reach out for help and find mentors and talk to people. Before this year, I was terrible at that. I was just, I was, the, you know, kind of the, the lone wolf. I'll do it all by myself. I don't want to burden other people. And now what I've realized is, gosh, there's other people out there who have gone through maybe this situation I'm having today and I can really learn from them. And so why am I trying to bear this all by myself? Absolutely. And I have been there myself. I went through that in mid-2016. And I, I don't mean to call her out right here, but I, sorry, I went through this. I went through the realization that I was following income rather than impact. And a whole bunch of things all happened at the same time. I realized I wanted to start the podcast. And the week that I launched the podcast, one of the people that I had been following online for quite some time and was actually really frustrated because she did appear to be one of those people who just everything always went great for. She never had any hiccups, you know, all of the above. That week, she actually posted a very transparent post about how she had been suffering from major anxiety for months. And here's what it had done to her. And coincidentally, I had covered that in quite a few of my first five podcasts that launched the same day that this post went out. And I didn't even know that it was coming. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. You know, it's not just a couple of people that I've talked to on the podcast. It's even hitting these big people who are making seven to eight figures a year. Holy moly. It was just like a huge eye opener. If you haven't read it yet, Melanie, or them yet, I have two books to recommend to you. Oh, great. I, I love this. I love getting book recommendations. Actually, I have three. The Big Leap okay. by Gay Hendricks. Have you read that one? I have not. Okay. I just finished it last week. Amazing. Worthy by Nancy Levin. Okay. Worthy is increasing your self-worth to increase your net worth. So it's totally talking about those financial barriers. I haven't finished that one, but I'm absolutely loving it. I have a problem with trying to read too many books all at the same time. <laughs> I get that problem. Totally. And then the third one is High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. Actually, anything by Brendan Burchard, okay. but specifically that one. And I'm also not done with that one yet. I I have three active books right now. And then for listeners, and not just you, Melanie, but for listeners, if you're not a Christian, I'm not sure that you're going to appreciate this one as much, but Think Better, Live Better by Joel Osteen. And some people don't like him too much because they think he's preaching the prosperity Bible, which I I disagree with because I am both a Christian and I follow the law of attraction. So mindset is really important to me, whether it's my faith mindset or you know, a little bit more woo-woo. I don't really like the word woo-woo, but... He sort of combines both, and I love that. That's awesome. I Thank you so much for giving me these recommendations. Yeah, you're so welcome. And listeners, again, you can find all of these books, and, and, and then eventually when we get there, Melanie's links in the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP290. All right. So I kept on saying that I want to get there eventually, but I had one more question. I don't have one more question anymore. So would you mind sharing your mission with us? Yes. And you know, I'm so sad that I've taken so long to get there. Usually it's what I 
start with because I'm so passionate about it, but I just jumped into the kind of trajectory, my career trajectory. Oh, don't be so sad when I miss everything, just like we were already talking about, like everything for a reason, every part of this conversation so far has led us to here. So I'm just so excited. That's right. Okay. Okay. I love that. Look at you. But positivity all the time. It's amazing. Um, as I mentioned, one of the things that was lacking when I was working in the legal career was doing any sort of mission or social work, right? There was not a, a big opportunity for pro bono just because there wasn't time for it. So when we started you know, moving into the entrepreneurial space, I really wanted to have a mission-based company. And we looked at trying to partner with these really big organizations uh, that were doing great things for women, but they'd say stuff like, well, if you write me a $25,000 check, I will call you a partner and put you on our website. And I was like, gosh, that just doesn't seem like that's very smart as, you know, as a startup owner, first of all, we don't have $25,000 to just ha- name, be named as a partner, but also I'd rather put that money to, to work and, you know, and actually help people. And so what we decided to do is when we launched Impact, we were going to be very hands-on with what can we do right now to help women. Like there are some companies that will donate a portion of proceeds, which is amazing. But the reality is we were a startup and we hadn't even launched and we wanted to start making a difference before we would even have those profits to donate. So um, we started looking at nonprofit organizations that we could work with. So for example, there's one in the Denver area, um, an amazing organization. And what they do is they help um, chronically impoverished and underemployed women transition to full-time work. So if you can imagine victims of domestic violence, you know, some women, they've been incarcerated, whatever, they've had bad, bad backgrounds, they've had tough lives. And this organization provides a six-month uh, job training program for them. And they get, you know, job skills, communication skills, life skills. It's, it's an amazing organization. It's actually called the Women's Bean Project, and it's in Denver. And we approached them and said, you know, can we engage these women to help us? And so right now they are helping us by, they take the bars that we make and they put them in the boxes or they shrink wrap them. They get them prepared for Amazon because Amazon has some labeling, you know, stickering kind of requirements. And so we're literally working with them um, every month and employing these women through this program to help impact. And so it's a service we need anyway, right? We've got to have the bars put in boxes and we need them prepped. Uh, So it was such a win-win. But, you know, even on my darkest days, if I walk into this organization and I see, you know, 17 to 20 women on the floor that are packaging our bars that are the most incredibly grateful women that will come up to me and say, you know, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving me a job today. Um, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it gives me chills to just even talk about it. And I could talk about it all day because I I think that is so important. And what's been really great for me personally is I have this personal mission of, you know, motivating, inspiring and empowering women. And it's just been awesome that I've been able to carry that over to my business and do it at a larger scale. So as we grow, we get to work with, well, first of all, we get to expand our partnership with this particular nonprofit organization, but we also have identified others. So we've got another one we're working with in Texas that helps girls who have been bounced in and out of foster care. They are essentially thrown out to the wolves, as I like to say, um, when they're 18 or so because of state licensing um, requirements. And a lot of these girls have had a really tough life. They don't have experience. And so 
we're working on developing a confidence boosting program for these girls and also finding a way to get them involved with impact, you know, in, in certain ways, like going to grocery stores, uh, making sure the product is stocked on the shelf and looks nice, possibly doing a, a demo or a sampling, um, stuff like that, where they can have some basic skills they can put on their resume, um, get, you know, behind and, and part of a great company. And also, in the meantime, teach these girls some confidence boosting skills and and some nutrition tips. I mean, that's sort of like the the secret sauce that I love is that they also get some nutrition help that they have may or may not have been exposed to before. Uh, so I think the programs that we're putting in place are uh, really what what I'm so passionate about. And for me, it's you know how can we empower women right now? And so what does that look like? And you know, how can we continue that and grow that? And, and then also, you know, happen to make really amazing protein energy bars, because obviously that side of the business is very important also. But how can we find a way to promote our mission through what we do? And, you know, that's my passion and my life's passion. And as I've done this personal development work this year, and as we've developed this business, I mean, I've just realized that, you know, you were asking before about, did I do this in the right order? I mean, the stars have really aligned for me because now I know what it's like to be passionate about what you do. And as I mentioned before, uh, being a lawyer was a great job. I just wasn't passionate about it. And it is a totally different ball game. I mean, this, this company is like a child to me. You know, I don't wake up every morning and dread going to work. I don't dread any part of it. And it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't even seem like work. So the other day, a girlfriend of mine was like, well, what, what is your maternity leave policy? And I started <laughs> cracking up because as a business owner, you know, it's not really, there's not really a policy for the owner, right? When you're a startup. But I mean, of course, I'm going to take some time and, you know, obviously bond with my child, but it, it doesn't feel like I, I'm not in the position where I'm like, oh man, I have this job and I've got to deal with being on a maternity leave and I've got to talk to the superiors and worry about, um, you know, telling them I'm pregnant, which is an unfortunate thing that I think a lot of women go through. It It is more like, oh, wait, no, there's no, like, I don't look at it that way. It's it, This is such a big part of my life. And what we're doing is so important that, you know, we're bringing another baby into the world. And like, there's definitely some chaos associated with that. But um, it's not like I'm going to step away and just back off for months. I mean, that, that some, someone women may criticize me for that, but I think that what that shows is, or is a reflection on the passion that I feel for what I do. And it's just a different ball game. Oh my gosh. I think maternity leave policy for mompreneurs is more like how much room do we leave between our keyboard or our laptop and the baby's head while they're feeding? <laughs> <laughs> Right. 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 Like I'll be there soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like just as long as the keyboard isn't, you know, bouncing off their head while we're, you know, while we're typing, that's leaving enough room and there's some maternity yes. leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I was pregnant with twins, I knew I had to stop. Well, no, that, that would be a lie. I, I couldn't get I couldn't pull up to my desk anymore because my belly was just so big. So I had to yep. get a, a wireless keyboard and I would balance it on my belly. But I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. I hope you took some pictures of that. Oh, I have them. We need, we need to get some pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, and I even have video of when I would be getting kicked and the keyboard would be going boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband actually pulled, he brought one of our recliners up from the living room. We don't have it anymore. But um, he brought it out to my office so I could actually have my legs up with my with the 
keyboard on my belly and just be working from the recliner and said, it was actually very amazing because, yeah, I had been there. My my first was born. Actually, I was pregnant with my first two while I was working corporate. And it was so hard to actually have to tell them. Yeah, first I'm pregnant. And then what's what's the um, policy for when I have to take, you know, an hour off to go to an appointment? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was actually struck by chronic idea disorder. Listeners, I'm not going to say anything more than that right now, but I definitely want to talk to you again soon, but later um, about an idea I just had based on personal development and the girls that you're helping. So let's try to schedule something in. Yes. I would love that. Where can listeners connect with you, purchase the bars, get to know more and well, yeah, all of the above. Yes. Awesome. Um, so the, the easiest place is our website. It's impact bars and that's impact with an E.com. And then also, you know, you can find us on Amazon. We're easily accessible there. We're trying to boost up, um, some more information on our website, just about the efforts we're doing. And, um, definitely my, my goal this year is to transition more into someone who's providing Con- more content on social media. So we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that. If you just look up Impact Bars, you'll find us. But um, me personally, I have been buried in the operations side of our business because there's just a lot of operations when it comes to coordinating manufacturing food productions. And now I'm trying to move over to as we're growing to more of a, you know, I'll, I'll still have my hand dipped in that. But um, the focusing on educating everybody about what we're doing for our mission and other women and, you know, speaking out about these things. I mean, the things that I've just talked about on the podcast, like, I think there are a lot of women who can relate whether or not you're an entrepreneur. If you're in a law firm, you still may be having some of these concerns, or you may have the kind of, you may really want to be an entrepreneur, but have the limiting beliefs that I feel like I've had all my life, which were, you know, it's too risky to do that. And the reality is, is that you can do it. You know, sometimes you just need someone to talk to and relate to who's been through it. And that's why I think having mentors is really important as well. But my role hopefully will migrate a little bit into um, being able to just talk to and relate to women more about what I've been going through. And I'm an open book about it. I mean, I'm, as you've seen on this podcast, pretty vulnerable about or open and honest about things that have held me back in the past and having some confidence issues and stuff like that. And so I think we need to talk about it. And, um, and it's important for women to hear that from other women, especially if they're doing something that they may want to do. So, you know, some of my mentors when I was um, practicing law, again, I just assumed they were super women. And it's, it's nice sometimes when you have a mentor who will really open up to you and you realize like, we're actually more alike than you think. And I've had way more struggles than you think. And I'm going through this and that. And yeah, I have confidence issues. This is how I get through them. And it just makes it seem like the things that you want to do in your life are more achievable, or at least it did for me. And so I think some of those things really helped propel me into thinking, you know, I can do this. Like I, yes, I I have no background in food, but I'm going to launch a commercial food company. Like that's bizarre even today for me to let those words roll off my tongue that I'm in this business. Um, but you know, I think the old version of me would have had a lot of reservations and, Oh, I can't do it. All this doubt that it would killed my progression. Um, but the new and improved me, I guess the way I'll describe, describe it knows that I can do it. You know, you just got to put your mind to it and, um, and work hard and, and believe in what you're doing. 
Oh my gosh, I agree. And I love all of the above. And chronic idea disorder just hit me again. Listeners, you know I have chronic idea disorder. And it doesn't just come up with ideas for me, but it comes up with ideas for other people as well. Melanie, we really need to talk soon. Melanie, thank you again so much for being here. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me. You, by the way, you are so easy to talk to. It's like incredible. I don't. It, sometimes I'm part of this conversation. I'm forgetting I'm on a podcast, and I just think we're having a conversation on the phone. Oh my gosh! And that's what makes it so much fun for me. I love the conversations, and I have to say that you're just the same way, listeners. Melanie and I covered so much just in our pre-chat that. It just reminds me that sometimes I really wish I record the pre-chats as well. I mean, we talked about momdom. Momdom? I think I'm making up words now. Motherhood? Well, you get what I mean. But we were laughing our butts off even before we started recording. So yeah, I had a blast. And you are welcome. And thank you. Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? I do. I do. And that is something that has really been an amazing tool to help me um, set my day in the morning and end it at night. And that is, you know, it doesn't have to be a gratitude journal. It's just taking the first few minutes of your day and the last few minutes of your day and thinking about things that you are grateful for. I mean, despite all, whatever you've been through in your life and whatever I've been through, um, there is always room to think about the things in your life that are amazing. And I find that if I spend even just a few minutes thinking of, in a very positive way about the things that I am blessed to have in my life, and that's how I start and finish each day, it has really made things easier. It has made things easier from a, um, a an anti-freakout perspective. That's what I'll call it. You know, that if you're a high anxiety person, you might have an inclination to sort of freak out more. It's very calming. It has helped me with my sleep. And it has helped me get me really motivated each day to do what I do. And I mean, I'm just, I'm an incredibly grateful person for all that I have in life. I feel very, very fortunate. So, and I think that feeling comes from thinking in this way on a daily basis and not thinking about all the things you don't have or that are going wrong or that might go wrong, but waking up and each morning and ending each day thinking about all the things that are amazing in your life. Have you requested your seven day free version of the positive productivity planner yet? If not, I want to encourage you to go over to thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP and pick up your copy today. This free version of the planner is going to help get you on track of leading a more positive and productive personal and professional life. Again, you can get your copy at thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP.